you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. I want to start out by saying it is, thank you, it's been a, a rough week. And so I want to acknowledge that right off uh, at the beginning of this message. It's been, it's been a really rough week. And I understand that there are a lot of emotions. I've been watching services beginning last night of different churches and different ministers and ministries around the country and around the, the world that, that, are, that are watching what's happening here in our country. I think I'm not sure, you know, uh, that this is maybe the most difficult message that I've ever spoken, but it's a challenging time, and this year has been challenging, just like we said to the graduates a, a moment ago. Everyone's lives are, everyone's life are, all of our lives have been disrupted, interrupted. And emotionally, right now, we, we just we need to face this and admit this, that emotionally, right now, we're all drained and we're all strained. And the senseless killings that we have witnessed on video in the past month, it's, it's, it's been horrendous. Never in a, in a time in my life where I have I've felt like that I was on the front row of this. In fact, this video that just came out this past week of George Floyd, I, I just have to admit that I could not, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't. I, I broke down, turned it off, and I, and I still have not watched that whole video because it, it's so devastating. Um, it, the word that came to me is enough enough, enough. And so you may be watching and you may be saying, oh, here's another minister that feels like he needs to say something. And I want to answer that question first. Why do, why do I need to say something? Why do I need to say something? Like everybody else is saying something, why do I need to say something? Why can't I just deliver a nice three-point message and let's call it done for the day and smile and high-five and our and praise the Lord. I have to say something because my family has been affected. My church family. We're family. We're, in some senses, closer spiritually, in a spiritual sense, closer than even our, our natural family. So my family has been affected. And I know you're like me. And when something affects your family, when something happens in your neighborhood, you get together as a family and you're, you gather around the table or whenever you all get together, you're like, okay, what happened? What happened to that family? Why did they move out? Or what's going on over there? Because I heard this or I saw this and, and you discuss. So we're discussing things and talking about things as a family. That's important. That is so important. Um, it's a time to talk. It's a time to listen. We had a prayer call yesterday. And normally our Saturday morning prayer calls, the, the call, we do a Zoom call. And it lasts about an hour. 
but yesterday it went two hours, and it was beautiful. We, we're a multicultural church, and we have multicultural people represented, and, you know, it's, it's, it was a beautiful call where we opened up the call and just said, hey, let's, let's just have a discussion. Because trying to go to prayer when there's things that you're dealing with, it just, it, you feel like there's something there, right? And so you want to kind of move that out of the way, and then we can pray. And so we just kind of exhaled and on this Zoom call, which is kind of difficult because you feel connected, but you're kind of disconnected. And, and so it's this unnatural connection, but are you really understanding my heart? Because I can see your face, but there's just, there's certain non-verbal communication that you miss, but we were asking questions and uh, we gave each other room to ask questions and freedom and we were listening and hearing with our heart to each other's answers without offense. And that's so important because this is what we need to do. We need to listen without offense. We need to speak without offense. There's a word that we need to interject into every one of our conversations, and that word is respect. Respect. There were tears but there was prayer. And so we didn't leave it just hanging there. We allowed God to come in and we opened the door and allowed him to come in and breathe his breath in this prayer meeting. And it was powerful. And we got to a place in the prayer meeting where we didn't, we didn't want to hang up because it was, it was just powerful. And people were saying, wow, I really needed this. And, and, that is, to me, the indication that something really, uh, somebody grew spiritually because they said, wow, I really needed to hear that. And so that's one reason why I have to say something because this affects my family. Another reason is because silence is not an option for me. It was at one time, um, but I, I hope, I hope that I've grown past that. Um, our, the mission of our church is, is fourfold. It's to be solid disciples for Jesus. That's continually growing in the Lord. It's to build strong families. And so strong families build a strong church, and that's part of our mission. But then the third arm of our mission is to bridge cultural gaps. And where our church is situated and the county that we're in and the proximity that we are in in our county, um, there are multi-races and multi-cultures living all around us. And so it's very important that we learn how to bridge that cultural gap. And there are gaps all around us. There's, there's generational gaps. There's cultural gaps. And it, we, I find Jesus, when he came, he bridged the gap between heaven and earth, the, the, the culture of heaven and the culture of earth, and he brought the two together. But not only that, then he spoke to Samaritans and Gentiles, and he came for the Jews, but then there was, uh, he just, he wasn't there for himself, he was there for others. And so we're a church of others. <laughs> and 
Bridging cultural gaps is so important. Then the fourth arm to our vision, our mission is to bring in the lost. But bridging cultural gaps is, is something that we need to do right now because that is what's happening. We, we need to. Um, you know, we might say, well, Jesus is the gospel and he's the answer. And I've seen a lot of people post that song up again on Facebook. Andre Crouch, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there is no other. Jesus is the way. We know that. We know that. We, we know that. And we hold on to that. And we have an understanding of that. But sometimes we give just a pat answer. That's the answer. It's like sometimes when you're, when you're dealing with uh, a heavy situation and somebody just says, here, here's the scripture, read it. Read it back to me. Tell me what it says. Without listening fully to someone's heart. And so as I was talking with the Lord, I said, I know that the answer is to preach the gospel. That's the answer. And then the Lord asked me a question. He said, well, what is the gospel? And I had to back up and think, well, the gospel is not just an eternal destination. (laughs) It's not just my insurance policy to leave this earth and forever be with the Lord. That's that's part of it. That's eternal destination. That is uh, his will for my life. But then the Lord led me back to when Jesus stood up in Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to read Luke 4, 4, 16 through 21. And he says this, or the word says this, the Bible says this about Jesus. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Gospel means good news. And so this is part of, Jesus is listing out the things that he is anointed to do. Number one, preach the gospel to the poor. Then he says, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Then he says, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, there's a lot more in that than just, hey, here's your ticket to heaven. Right? I I believe there's there's a lot more in that than just, hey, I'm here to save you from hell. (laughs) Um. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They should have been because um, he said that with authority. Then he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And so what Jesus began over 2,000 years ago, the body of Christ, we still have that mission. Every one of these things, to preach the gospel to the poor, the good news to the poor means you don't have to be poor anymore. To heal the brokenhearted, that takes time. You don't... uh, I don't find that Jesus saw someone that was brokenhearted and just put his hand on them and said, be healed of a broken heart and walk away. I mean, if you've ever been brokenhearted, it takes time to heal. But God is the one that does the healing. And so there's more. Again, there's more to what Jesus was sent for than just to give us a scripture. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. And that's what we want to focus on, and we think, okay, that's it. That's the answer. That's the answer. No. Proclaiming liberty to captives. Find somebody that's captive and proclaim liberty to them. Recovery of sight to the blind. Somebody that's blind. They need to see. Can you help them see? This may not be only physical blindness. Uh, To set at liberty those who are obedient. Oppressed? Do you, do you think the Lord cares about the oppressed? I mean, you can go from Genesis to Revelation and find multiple times that the Lord was concerned with the oppressed and the injustice. And so all of these things Jesus came to do for people that are living on the earth. And Jesus started this ministry, but he's fulfilling his ministry in 2020 through the body of Christ. And so that's why, that's another reason why I must say something. And so today is Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, the, the Passover, what's known as the Passover, 50 days Pentecost. Uh, can we remember today? What, Pentecost, what happened at Pentecost in the upper room in Acts chapter 2? What happened in the upper room? God invited 500, 120 actually came, and those 120 were, were not united at, that, uh, at, at the initial moment that they came into the upper room. But after 10 days of staying together and praying together, together they became united. And when they became united in one accord, there's such power and unity, the Holy Spirit came and filled them, baptized them. The baptism of the Holy Spirit brought people together and great things began to happen. They all went down into the streets and began to glorify God in these tongues. They began to speak but all those that were standing around them heard them glorifying God in their own language. And if you read that passage there in Acts chapter 2, there were more than 15 different ethnicities that were listed there. How many different languages in 15 different culture, ethnos, ethnicities? It reminds me of there's going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation bowing down and confessing that Jesus is Lord. This is unity. This is Pentecost. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the supernatural unifier. 
He brings us together and shows us that we are one race. He shows us that we're a new breed. He shows us that we are in Jesus one body. No matter where we come from, no matter where we were born, which side of the tracks, which color of the skin, which language we speak in, in Jesus, we are one. And the Holy Spirit is the one that brings us together and joins us together, empowers us to work together and walk together and live together and grow together. And when, when they became united, things started happening. More people came into the kingdom. More people came into the kingdom. There was a, there was, there were people giving their hearts and the body of Christ became, became larger. Now, there were challenges too, but they were united by the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday. It's time for the church to emphasize the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it's only by His grace that any of us are able to change and grow more into the full image and full stature of Jesus. Guys, we can't look for government to solve what's going on. It's time for the church to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit and to give Him place, to surrender to Him, to allow Him to work in us, working through us and changing us from the inside out. As the church, we must stand for truth. We must stand for equity. And we must stand for justice. And remember that Jesus came for all. For all. Even Jesus reached out to the woman of Samaria. And they thought he was wrong. But he was always right. He always did the right thing. And he reached out to those that were marginalized, if you will. We, it's, we can't simply call out racism and reject it as evil. We must also remember that Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd's deaths are not isolated incidents, but that it's a deeper problem. It's part of a deeper problem of systemic racism and injustice. You remember Jesus found the one that was being unjustly um, condemned to die. He knelt down and he addressed all the ones that were addressing her and said, okay, go ahead. The first one without sin, go ahead. In this time that we're living in, this season right now, what's been going on this week, it's very obvious to me as a white man, white male pastor, that our black brothers and sisters are hurting and have been hurting. And some of this violence really is a deep reaction of being dismissed and the unheard pain. I'm going to quote something from somebody that I respect, a Caucasian woman. A, um, I think she's a neuro, not a neurosurgeon, or she, she's a brain scientist, Dr. Caroline Leaf. She says this, racism affects the health 
of us all. Think about that. Racism affects the health of us all. Whether we're victimized by it or live in fear of it or are polluted by it intentionally or otherwise. And like any toxic mindset, it won't go away. It won't stop killing us unless we acknowledge it, face it in all of its ugliness, and admit that things need to change. Admit that we need to change. Yes, this can be uncomfortable. And yes, it means that we have to face parts of ourselves that maybe we didn't even know were there. It means apologizing for, changing, and challenging social structures that keep the few in power and the many without power. This is the only way love can start conquering anything in ourselves and in our world. Unless we all say something, unless we all recognize the need to change, we will get nowhere as a people which collectively harms us all. Like Martin Luther King Jr. said, I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. And so as a church, we are here for such a time as this. We're called for, we're anointed to heal the brokenhearted. We're, we're anointed to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Um, our prayers are that we would see how one we are in Christ. And we would recognize our influence. We have influence in the world. But it's not by power. It's not by might. It's by His Spirit. And we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. So during this prayer call yesterday that moved me so much, and it was, it was just awesome, the question came up. It was, it was pretty early on in the discussion. What can I do? What can I do? And I'm asking this morning, what can we do as a church, as a local church? And maybe this is a question for the international church, the universal church. We as the body of Christ, what can we do about what's going on? It's, it's, it's not going to help anything if we ignore it. It's not going to help anything if we throw the Bible at it. We are Jesus with skin on. We are living epistles written before men. We have a part to play in the solutions in, in the world. And you see Christian leaders, people that love Jesus, followed Jesus, became a solution at, at the time that God needed them to be the solution, to speak with wisdom, with humility, boldness, and courage. And so what can we do? I think there's three things. We can pray. We can pray. Before I talk about prayer, I want to turn 
our attention to Romans chapter 12, verses 15. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 15 that we, we can weep with those who weep. Today, many people are weeping in our country. While we continue to see the disgusting results of racism, prejudice, and hatred that divides our nation. To those who grieve, we say as a church family, a local church family, our hearts are broken too. And we grieve with you, we see you, and we love you. So what can we do? We can pray. Prayer is not a passive disposition, but a powerful recognition that we're engaged in a spiritual battle. We can pray, Second Chronicles 7.14, and we do, that God would heal our land. But there's some qualifications in there. There's some conditions in there that we need to turn from our ways. We need to humble ourselves and seek His face. We, we must pray. We have to pray more. To those uh, disciples of, of Christ would, would be truly known by the way that we love one another. So in John 13, 35, in our prayers, there are prayers filled with love and compassion, not judgment. Sometimes in our prayers, we can ask God to judge certain people. But think about the conditions for effective prayer, and that is love. God loves people. As we pray, we unify our hearts. Number two, we can listen. We can listen. I have this bottle of water here, and there's, there's a label on it. And so I like to use this as an example because a lot of times we will have a bottle of water in our hand, even when we're speaking to someone that we don't even know. And you can, you, you can use this as an illustration that, hey, I only see things from my side of the bottle. I have to intentionally walk around to the other side to see the other viewpoint. Or if the other person on the other side of the bottle would tell me, what do you see? Because I don't, on my side, I, there's no blue. But on the, the other side, there's blue. So help me see what you see. Engage in meaningful conversations with friends, with colleagues, with neighbors that are different than you are. Build a bridge. Ask them about their experience. Listen to their perspective. And ask how you can be a support. I know that part of the challenge for whites in America is that we don't allow ourselves to feel what is happening to other races. It's when we allow ourselves to feel the pain, we begin to ask ourselves, how can we make a change? And yes, this is uncomfortable, but it's necessary. If I said it was easy, 
that would be untrue. But we have to put ourselves in that place. We have to walk in someone else's shoes. Think about the good Samaritan and the person that was laying on, on the side of the road dying. It wasn't until that Samaritan passed by and said, how, how can I help? Not, oh, I think that there's somebody over there dying. We have to connect with people. We have to listen. We have to use what God gave us, not just on the outside of our head, but from our heart. Give people a chance to talk. Don't cut them off and feed them a scripture. Allow them to talk about what they're dealing with. And then the third thing is we have to speak. We have to speak. Paul confronted Peter in Galatians 2 when he stops eating with the Gentiles because he was afraid of criticism. So we as the church, we're called to speak the truth in love. Emphasis on in love. A lot of times we want to get up on our truth soapbox and talk about, well, I'm this is the truth, it's the truth, it's the truth, but ask yourself, is it in love? When we hear divisive, derogatory, or racist language, we need to call it out. In love. When we witness the mistreatment of other individuals because of their color, culture, or class, we need to confront it. In love. Because now is the time. Now's the time for the church to rise up. Now's the time for us to be an instrument of healing and unity. Now is the time to truly love one another like Jesus taught his disciples and like he's teaching us. We cannot sit idly by waiting for change to come, nor can we move forward until we recognize the needs that are at hand. Change begins in the heart and in the church. It's not the government's problem or solution, but it's a God solution that will bring justice to our nation. Ultimately, we are governed by the authority of Scripture. And so, if we're free at all, if we're hopeful at all, if we're effective at all, it's it's because God's work, Word is working in us and God's Word is working through us. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.